Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson Razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Here's what I mean. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Wrong Way Man. We have this urban legend in my city called The Wrong Way Man. Supposedly, you might see him standing on the side of the road when you're driving, and some say it's always when you're on your way home. I've seen pictures of the wrong way, man. They circulate among us in the form of Polaroids and crude drawings among students, workers, friends, and family here. But oddly, I've never seen any of those pictures posted in any online chat rooms. I'm not sure if it's because of fear because those who've taken the pictures want to perpetuate the mystique of our local urban legend, or because of something else. I was pretty sure those pictures had been a hoax, just someone dressed up as the wrong way man. Maybe it was the same person every time. As far as what the wrong way man looks like, he wears his tattered clothing backwards. It's usually a flannel shirt and jeans. His painted smiling face looks eerily realistic until he turns to the side and you can see it's a smooth surface. It seems that he shaves his hair off, paints a face over the back of his head, and puts a shoulder-length wig on that covers up his real face. Those who have met who claimed you have spotted the wrong way man say they waited a week before driving home, staying over at a friend's house or a hotel, and not even bothering to go home to pack a suitcase. I've also heard, though that you need to wait a month. The common consensus seems to be if you see him while driving home, don't finish the drive home. Turn around, go somewhere else, and wait for at least a week. I thought it was a bunch of nonsense until my date and I saw the wrong way man when we were going back to my house from the movies. It was Katie who spotted him. Slow down, she said. I think I see that wrong way man you were telling me about. Katie had only lived in the city for a half a year, so one of the things I had told her on my quest to share with her as many interesting things as I could had been our local urban legend about the wrong way man. Was it a coincidence that we'd just been talking about him a few days before? I had never seen someone dressed as the wrong way man in person. Pictures, sure, but never in person. My foot was shaking as I eased up on the gas. It was dark, nearing like midnight dark, and there were either no street lights or they were just off. My car's headlights lit him up. On the side of the road, he was facing us. Actually, he had his back to us. The painted face was facing us. The jeans and flannel shirt and wig were all turned our way as well. 
His arms and legs looked wrong. They were shoved down in his clothing the opposite way. I wanted to be amused, but I was alarmed. We got about ten feet away in my car. He turned his painted head towards us. Those painted eyes, realistic but forever held too wide, seemed to be staring right into mine. As we drove slowly by, I waved to him and laughed to try to ease some of the tension. He did not wave back. I looked at Katie. She was waving too, but she wasn't laughing. I glanced back in time to see the slick side of that person's shaved, painted head, and the optical illusion of a real face being there was shattered. Shattered, but somehow worse for it. Also, when I peered into the rearview mirror as we increased our distance, I saw something glinting beneath the shoulder-length wig that he wore. Hmm. Then he was gone, lost into the darkness. I picked up speed. He hadn't been walking, but somehow I was worried he would come after us too quickly. So what do we do now, Katie said. We can't go to your home or mine. I glanced at her, and soon we both just started laughing. Well, I said, after tonight we'll be able to tell everyone around that we saw the wrong way man and went immediately home. I wonder who was pretending to be the wrong way man, Katie said. I wonder why they were doing it. Do you think we should turn back around and try to talk to them? I'd rather we didn't, I said. They could be dangerous, but I'm sure it's just someone looking to keep the urban legend alive. It's your car, Katie said, but if it was mine... All right, I said. We'll turn back around. My grandpa used to say, if you're in doubt which turn to make, you can always make a U-turn until you figure things out. He used that as a metaphor for life. As I made my U-turn, we drove past a blockbuster that I was hoping we could go into just to rest for a second and get our wits back, and also ask the cashier if he had noticed anybody walking around. But it was too late and they had already closed for the night. My heart was thrashing in my chest. We drove down the entirety of that dark street without seeing that person again. It was a couple of miles long in that direction, so there's no way they could have walked or run the distance so quickly. Katie and I decided that the person dressed as the wrong way man must have left the shoulder of the road for the surrounding woods. The idea of them hiding in the woods as we drove by again made me feel like I had spiders crawling all over my flesh. We did another U-turn, and during that whole time I kept glancing around in case that person jumped at us from out of nowhere. But soon, we were heading back in the direction of my house with no second look at the wrong way man. Katie and I, we tried to laugh it off, and we tried talking about other things, but both of us were pretty scared. We couldn't stop chatting about everything and nothing, or glancing out the windows or into our side mirrors. We turned into my subdivision, then we turned onto my street, and everything changed. As soon as we turned onto my street, we started to go backwards instead of forwards. Did you put it in reverse? Katie said. Her hand was gripping my arm, and it was cold as ice. I stopped the car. Both of us were looking down, and the car was in drive. I took my foot off the brake and put it onto the gas pedal again. The houses, familiar houses I saw every day when coming home, were moving away from us. Maybe something's wrong with my car, I said. But when I tried driving forward again, I looked to the side, and then in the rearview mirror, we were not moving. Not according to those views. In front of us, the houses receded every time I put my foot on the gas, but from the side and rear, it appeared that we were just standing still. 
On my street, everything was well lit. There were tons of streetlights, so we couldn't argue it away as if it had something to do with limited visibility. Let's get out of here, Katie said. Her voice was almost a whisper. Yeah, I said in a similar way, but how are we going to leave? Put it in reverse. When I put my car in reverse and tried that, we actually moved forward. But to the side and rear, once again, we seemed to have not moved at all, like we were caught just past the entrance to my neighborhood. It was when Katie and I had stopped the car and were debating getting out that we spotted someone coming towards us on the sidewalk. They were approaching us from the front of the vehicle, so I'm not sure how accurate the distance was. It seemed like they were about 20 feet away. I don't know why it took me so long to realize this. Maybe it was because I didn't want to, but I recognized my neighbor by the back of his head and by his body shape, which was somewhat atypical. I'd seen him often stooped working on his garden while I was driving by. He was walking backwards towards us, and when he got closer, he stopped. Then he began shouting, over and over again, standing stock still, his back still to us. Only later would I realize that he had been saying, help me in reverse. I rolled down the window. Mr. Nelson, I said, what's the matter? He stopped shouting. Now that my window was down, I could hear his body creak and snap. Blood poured out of fissures as the joints of his arms and legs changed drastically. When Mr. Nelson's head twisted all the way around towards us, I was sure that I saw the light go out in his eyes. Then whatever had taken over Mr. Nelson made the first step forward with the new architecture of his body. Katie and I both began to scream at that first step. I rolled up the window as Mr. Nelson loped around on strange, inhuman legs. His kneecaps and elbows had become stretched and exaggerated from being reversed. I put my foot on the gas with the car still in reverse and through the front windows we seemed to be careening forward. Even though a glance out the sides or the rear view showed us still, very stationary, we slammed into Mr. Nelson. Blood slashed across the windshield. The car rose and fell as we went over his body. To the sides and rear, there was no indication of the car rising and falling. I didn't see a lump appear behind us. I kept my foot on the gas, still going forward in reverse. I saw a window of a neighbor's house shatter. A couple I barely recognized crawled out like baby spiders out of eggs, leaking blood and more blood as they scraped themselves against the shards of the window frame. I don't think it was that they didn't know how to open windows. When the wife paused in the window, she smiled. She intentionally rubbed her scalp against a particularly sharp-looking piece of glass. Meat and blood came away. I think I could see the white of her skull. By then, her husband was already on the ground running towards us. I sped forward. They and their house vanished in the sides and rear of the vehicle, which were, again, still stuck near the street's entrance. More people were coming out of their homes. They came out all twisted and broken, damaging themselves further as they exited. They ran towards us on backward legs, turning their backward arms. Everything about them was the wrong way. Before long, I found myself slamming on the brakes. Keep going, Katie yelled. They're going to catch up with us. Ahead, I saw my own driveway. Someone that looked like me was talking to another person with a painted face. The painted face nodded. Up and down, it nodded like a real face would do. Then, 
When I saw the wig shuffle and move seemingly on its own, I realized that the true face under that wig was talking, moving its lips, breathing. The wrong way man was talking to me, or someone who looked like me. At the same time, Katie was reaching over me, trying desperately to put her foot on the gas. A couple of twisted pieces of bone and meat collided with the windshield. Two faces with bunched up folds of neck leered at me out of glazed eyes. These were faces I should have recognized. Their twisted arms continued to beat at the window even though their eyes told me that no one was home. A spider's web of cracks spread across the windshield. Its grooves caught blood. I slammed my foot on the gas while helping to steady Katie back into her seat. We flung those two off, and right after we ran over an entire family in quick succession. I didn't have time to feel guilty. These were not my neighbors. These were not my neighbors. These were not. Katie and I both began to change. I heard some of my bones break. I felt it a moment later, like the reverse of lightning before thunder. Katie and I started screaming, almost in unison, and about in the same tune. It was like a choir of pain and fear, and fear and pain had risen up with us as instruments. Keep your head back, I yelled as I strove to keep my head pinned against my seat. Don't let it twist around. No matter what happens to the rest of our bodies, we can't let it kill us. I know, Katie said. Just get this car out of here. Make a U-turn or something. Make a U-turn, I thought. What was it my grandpa said about life and how if you didn't know what to do, you could always make a U-turn? Still in reverse, yet still going forward, I wheeled the car screeching around. I didn't glance out at the sides or rear. I gunned it, heading back towards where we had come from. The wrong way man waited. He waited for me at the juncture of my driveway in the street. His painted mouth grinned forever, and his painted eyes were too wide and incapable of blinking. We passed him and drove out of the neighborhood. Katie and I weren't out of the woods yet, though. I was able to get us to a nearby gas station before my legs and arms, which were partway reversed and leaking blood, completely gave out. We crawled out of the vehicle and onto the cold, hard concrete of the gas station. I blacked out almost at once, but Katie tells me she retained consciousness until the ambulance arrived. I don't envy her. We spent months in the hospital with broken bones and torn ligaments and muscles. I think the only thing that had saved us from permanent damage might have been the seats of our vehicle resisting our changes. We told the doctors we had been in a car accident, and they shook their heads at us and kept asking questions. I did go back home eventually. We both did. The reason why I went home was because one of my neighbors that we had run over with my car came to the hospital to visit me. They seemed completely fine, as if nothing had happened and the wrong way man had never changed them. But damage was done to my vehicle and to Katie and me, both physically and psychologically. And while our bodies are on the mend, I don't think we'll ever be the same. I feel the wrong way inside. My name is Richard Sanchez, and I like to go on country drives in my 1987 Toyota Camry. I got it from the used lot just up the road, maybe like three years ago. As I'm writing this, it's November 30th, 1996, a day after I saw that thing in the forest. I haven't seen it since, but I have a feeling I won't be here much longer, so I need to make this quick. 
It was 10.30 p.m. I live near a large forest, I'd say about three miles from my somewhat country home. I live on the outskirts of a small town in the northern Midwest. Anyways, I decided to go on a drive about 10.30 at night on November 29th. It's last night. My job and my boss were pain in my ass, and I didn't want to start drinking, so I thought I would go for a night drive to clear my head and to give me some peace of mind. It took close to 10 minutes to reach the country road that led through the forest. It was an old road, hasn't been repaired in years, so the asphalt has kind of sunken down into the dirt, some of it just completely eroded away from the rainstorms that we get here. It was a nice night, the moon shining bright with minimal clouds. As I venture into the forest, I notice the trees overhead, slowly swaying in the wind. I'd say about 10 mile an hour winds blowing east ever so softly. The leaves softly rustled as I felt the cool night breeze blowing in through my windows rolled down. I got about a mile into the forest when I noticed it got darker. The trees were looming overhead, blocking out any moonlight that was previously there. It was peaceful at first, but as I slowly drove further and further into the thick forest, it started to become almost unsettling. It started becoming quieter in the forest. The few birds and owls stopped. The wind died down, and the trees were no longer swaying. I started to slow as I saw a tree down in the middle of the road. I got out of my car and slowly approached it. It seemed to have been here a while, and there was no way I was going to move that thing. Of course, I said as I sighed. I knew I would have to turn back. But then I heard a strange noise. It was very unnerving. It sent chills up my spine and the hairs on my body stood straight up. It was like a child's whisper, except it was coming from inside the thicket. I turned to the direction of where it was coming from and it was like it was calling me closer. I began to venture into the direction of the whisper when I saw something dash between the trees. I used the flashlight from my keychain and illuminated my way further into the dark thicket. I called to the noise. I said, is anybody out there? Are you okay? What I saw next, I just can't explain. I heard a slowly cracking branch to the left of me deeper into the forest. I shined my light on it. A creature made entirely out of sticks. It blended in with the trees. It was so lanky, so slender, yet appeared to have a wide body stance. When the light hit its face, it let out a ghastly, horrifying screech that shook the leaves as it bounced off the trees. I almost dropped my flashlight keychain as I ran back to my car. I could hear it. It's behind me. Its branches or limbs or whatever the hell those things were are cracking and trampling the dead fallen leaves behind me. I finally got to my car, opened the door, got in and locked it. I immediately put the car in reverse and floored it back down the old road for at least a mile. I turned around and floored it back to my house, which was about five miles away at this point. As I looked behind me in the rearview mirror, I saw the creature peering from behind a tree as it just watched. I got to my house, rolled up the windows, locked the car, and I ran inside. I've been sitting here at this desk ever since, and it's now 1 a.m., and I feel intense paranoia that this thing will find me. I'm not sure how long I have, but whoever finds this diary, please, no. 
what I saw out there is true, and I will never go back to that forest again. Hey, wanted to say thank you for making it through another video with me. I appreciate you. Thank you. These writers appreciate you. You're awesome. Um, I've been feeling a little bit nostalgic lately. I just bought a subscription to Paramount Plus and I've been binging all the old Nickelodeon shows, man. Um, like Legends of the Hidden Temple, Rugrats, Hey Arnold, a lot of the shows from that period of time. And I got this idea that I could read some creepypastas and just place them in the 1990s. So I did. I hope you appreciate that vibe. I hope you can appreciate the references, the sound effects that I use, the visuals. If you want me to do more stories that have this flair of nostalgia to them, leave a comment below. You know I'm already wanting to do it, and I'll, and I'll do it if you ask me to. I'm going to let you go so I can work on the next video. But before I do, there's just one more thing that I wanted to say. You can be whoever you want to be. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. 